When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This feels just like a Friday. Nice, calm, cool. It's a little rainy if you're in Cincinnati, although we did have some thunderstorms, but it's Friday. It's chill. We're chill, and we're chilling with you right here. Welcome into another off-season edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast. Muhammad Ahmad and Andrew Gillis tag-teaming once more as uh, Mike Nislik enjoys his little time off. Um, and like we've been talking about all week, Andrew, uh, we graded the Bengals in free agency. We graded how they did compare to the AFC North. Uh, we talked about possibilities of where Jonah Williams could end up if the Bengals entertain a trade. But, you know, with all of that said, I wanted to kind of wrap up, um, not just this week. I kind of want to wrap up March, although technically I have a week left. But I think we're sort of in that transition period between uh, the weaning phase of free agency to the draft. And so, you know, for those listening, we've obviously done our grades and we've kind of assessed our grades and explained why. But I guess if, if you just kind of look at the moves the Bengals made this month, you know, and really you could go all the way back to the combine, like hearing Duke Tobin talk, Zach Taylor talk. What have you personally learned about the Bengals uh, in this free agency period? And what is so important to know about this month for the Bengals, not just heading into the draft, but the off season as a whole to the best of like kind of what you've seen? Yeah, you know, I think, um, you know, we kind of knew this, but they, they've kept an eye on the future as well as is kind of building for the now. And I think they did a, a somewhat decent job of that this offseason. You know, they what they did was, they, you know, they, they brought in Orlando Brown, um, you know, and I thought that that kind of makes sense because you get, you know, fairly solid left tackle at a position of, you know, frankly need because, you know, Jonah Williams is, is entering a contract year and obviously who knows what's going on with him at right now. But, you know, you, you upgrade your left tackle. I think it's, I think he's an upgrade Orlando is over Jonah. So you upgrade your left tackle position, but you also get it for, for four years. And, and frankly, you're, you're probably paying about the number that you would expect to pay Jonah. Um, you know, I, I think that, you can kind of make the case, oh, well, they made a big splash. Well, you know, you're, you were probably going to have to pay Jonah something something comparable if you were going to keep Jonah next offseason. So, um, you know, I thought they did a good job. They made the offensive line the priority. But, yeah, you know, I, I think they're going to try and go young. And I think that you look at kind of where this roster is now and kind of what this roster is going to be in 2024 and 2025, uh, 
Joe Mixon's not going to be around forever. And, and whether that's, you know, I know there's been talk about cutting him this off season, but you know, he's not going to be around forever. You know, it's, I think it's pretty clear they're going to go young at running back. I think it's pretty clear they're going to go young at tight end. They're, they're, they're going to make some, some youth, uh, youthful additions here over the next couple of weeks, uh, whether that be in the draft or free agency. And, um, I, you know, I, I think that they, uh, you know, they're starting to kind of recognize and they're starting to prepare for, you know, adding around Burrow as best you can, because when Burrow signs that deal, whenever that is, uh, things are going to change pretty quick. You know, you you really just spoke kind of what I was thinking is, you know, it was the opposite the last couple of years. Like beyond drafting Jamar Chase, you know, after they got Burrow and Higgins the year before, like the Bengals have really gone old. I mean, they bring in Von Bell, they bring in Hayden Hurst, like guys who are closer to their 30s at this point, Trey Hendrickson. You know, they extended Sam Hubbard, but like, although I think Hubbard's going to be around the longest out of all the current linemen, he's not that much younger. I mean, he's still going to be 28 this year. So, I mean, he's close to his 30s too. I mean, it feels like forever ago he got drafted out of Ohio State. So, you know, it was all about building on your depth from an age standpoint, you know, from older guys, veteran guys. That's not going to be the case anymore because, number one, I mean, you can't really afford to. Uh, the Burrow extension era, the Brown deal – um, and let's be real, like, I think we'd be remiss to say that, like, you know, they're going to extend Jamar Chase next year. I mean, that almost has to happen. Whether or not it's T. Higgins, I don't know, or Logan Wilson, you know, they're going to extend Jamar Chase, and that only shores up even more cap space. So I think that's sort of the new – if you want to say there's a new chapter, like going into 2023 for – I'm just kind of eyeballing, like, the next three four years, you know, you're going from – getting veteran players to youthful players like youth is the theme you know expect them to really build on their future in this year's draft and in next year's draft but you know you mentioned the offensive line you know and i we, this is something they've been working on for really the last two years i mean you could say three but i mean last year and this year you know those two years is really where they've spent the most resources building around burrow i mean if you're joe burrow you've been in cincinnati for three years you're going into year four is he going to have the best offensive line he's ever had in his NFL career? Yeah, I, I think that's fair to say. Um, you know, I, I, I think, I, I think it's relative, and I think you kind of need to to kind of quantify, or excuse me, not quantify. Uh, I think you need to qualify it with the saying that he can have the best offensive line that he's had, but it might not be what. Um, yeah, he can have the best offensive line that he, that he's had in his career, but it might not be kind of uh, an elite offensive line. You know, I'm not going to say that you know they're going to be like Philadelphia's offensive line or anything like that. Um, and, and frankly, there, there's still questions along the offensive line. Um, you know, how, how does Orlando Brown integrate to to the offense? Do do he and Cordell Volson kind of make uh, make a nice pair on that left side? Uh, what happens at right tackle? Is Jonah Williams here? You know, and if he's here, how does he move over to the right side? Does does that transition happen seamlessly? You know, are there some growing pains? Um, do they stay healthy? You know, there's there's a lot of questions about, um, you know, about the offensive line. I, I you know, I, I think it's you know, you can absolutely say, you know, it's he's it's the best front five he's had in his career. Uh, I think that that's you know that's totally fair. I think that's correct. But I also think. That, you know, sometimes that sentence alone kind of might be painting it with too optimistic of a brush because, yes, it's true. 
but I think it kind of leaves you to the conclusion that, oh, you know, his offensive line is really, 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 really good now. And, and you know, I, I think that they're probably, like you said, the best offensive line that he's had in his career, but I'm not willing to put them, you know, in the elite category or even the great category. I think, you know, it's a, it's a good offensive line if, you know, if you have Jonah Williams at right tackle and that situation kind of works. If, if Jonah plays well at right tackle, I think you're feeling pretty good about where you're at. I just, uh, I, I don't know if, um, if that's kind of the way that I would describe it. So you're saying on paper, they could have the best line they've had in three years on paper. Cause obviously like Trey Hopkins, Quentin Spain, like who aren't even in the league anymore is nowhere near as good as having Orlando Brown, Ted Karras, uh, you know, Cordell Volson, who have all come in Alex Kappa. But you're saying that it's not about what the Bengals have on paper. It's about what can these guys on paper translate on the field? Like you're saying, we still just don't really know how good this line can be when they're on the field. Like they're just, you know, questions like you said, but we, we just don't know until we know is what you're saying. Well, yeah, but you know, I, I think even if, you know, even if the offensive line comes together, you know, if, if Orlando Brown is as advertised, you know, there's still questions and, and I, and I'm, you know, I don't think anybody's going to sit here and say that, you know, they're a top end or a top echelon, top two, top three offensive line in the league right now. Um, you know, they're, they're better than they were a year ago, certainly. Uh, Cause you know, if you're going to add Orlando Brown um, and, and still kind of keep Jonah Williams, that, that matters and, and they'll be better. But I, I think sort of you're right in, in saying that, you know, that uh, you know, you, you have to see it kind of in action but even if everything hits, like even if everything works out, I just don't, you know, I, I think they're going to be good. I, I just, I, I would, I would caution any fans thinking, oh, you know, this is, you know, like this is an it. elite offensive line. Yeah. Th- this is the, this is the next coming of the hogs or, or the killer bees or something like that. You know, I, <laughs> I don't, I don't know how many people are saying that, but I, it's a, it's a good offensive line. Uh, but there are still kind of things that you need to work out. Well, I think that temperament that you mentioned is important too because I understand when you look at the fact that he was the sixth most sacked quarterback last year and the most sacked quarterback the year before when they ironically made the Super Bowl with the line that was nowhere near as good as it was last year or this year. I get there's this feeling of like, okay, we've reached the mountaintop. Like no no more backyard burrow getting thrown to the ground like – you know what I'm saying? Like, we're just playing in the backyard. Like, he's going to be uh, like Tom Brady in the pocket, just chilling. That's not quite the case. And obviously, it'd be nice if it was Patrick Mahomes where, like, the play is never dead. Or, you know, with Josh Allen where you're, a you know, a 6'5", what, 240-pound tight end body-like quarterback running guys over. And, again, this is not a knock on Burrow, by the way. This is just reality. Like, you've always said before, like, if there's a reason why Mahomes is the number one quarterback over Burrow, which, I mean, he is, but if there's a reason why, it's because, and granted, Mahomes is a little bit more spoiled than Burrow with his offensive line because he had Orlando Brown for two years and other guys on that line like Creed Humphrey. But I think even if you took those guys away, like, the play's never dead with him. I mean, even in the Super Bowl, like, I kind of bring up a point that you made, and I agree with you on this. Even though the Buccaneers crushed Kansas City in the Super Bowl two years ago, you know, there were times where, like, he was just throwing the ball. Like, how did he get that out? Or... How did he keep the play alive, even if it didn't end the way they wanted it to because they lost by, you know, what, 22 points in that game? 
he still showed that, like, if you're going to make him lose by 22, you got to really make him lose by 22. And with Burrow, it's like, I mean, imagine if you gave him that offensive line that the Chiefs had in that Super Bowl, but you put in Burrow instead of Mahomes. It could be an even bigger loss for all we know. So, and again, I think that's kind of the, the idea, too, is that, like, a lot of this isn't just on the offensive line. The point I'm making is Joe Burrow has gotten better about taking sacks. Like, if you look at the sacks he took in 2021 versus last year, and I think he'll admit this. He's even, he's even said this before, you know, in interviews, and he said it on a podcast after the Super Bowl last year. Like, some of those sacks were his fault. Like, he might have stayed in the pocket too long, might have missed a read, didn't get the check down he was looking for, and he didn't really do what he needed to do after that. So I think you have to combine it with not just is this the Bengals' best offensive line, but is this the best – collective, you know, unit that they've had with Burrow. Like, is this the most synchronized line, I should say? Because it all comes down to Burrow, his cadence, his rhythm, his flow. Like, are we going to see the best flow and rhythm from Burrow? Because we got to remember, this is his first full year with no surgery, no ACL recovery, no COVID. Because, like, what, was COVID, recovering from the ACL, the appendectomy surgery last year? None of that you know, bearing anything crazy happening. So, I mean, do, do you agree it's kind of important to realize that, like, it's not just about kind of what the offensive line does, but with how synced it is with Joe Burrow? Yeah, I, I mean, you could kind of make the case, too, that, you know, quarterbacks, um, you know, quarterback sacks are, are just as much a quarterback stat as they are an offensive line stat. Uh, and, and, you know, kind of like kind of like everything, uh, stats are not always created equal. Um, you know, an interception at the end of a half on a Hail Mary, you know, is not the same as an interception, you know, where you overthrow the receiver by five yards and, you know, kind of the same thing if it's, you know, a third down and two, you know, at uh, or third down and six or whatever at, at the opponent's 15 yard line and you're trying to run around and make a play happen because you need seven. Taking a sack there is, is, is different than taking a sack on first and 10. Um you know, so yeah, I, you know, it is it is on the quarterback too, and I think sometimes kind of offensive lines, you know, do get, uh, you know, do kind of get a, a little bit of blame for uh, for sacks that they really shouldn't. Yeah, no, I think that's that's a good point, um, and, and to that as well, I would say that. You know, we just really don't know till we know. Like, we can assume and we can make sense of, like, past trends of, okay, the line got better, Burrow's getting better. But, again, we, we just don't know how much better or if he'll get any better, if the line will get any better until we see them. You know, until we go to training camp or OTAs, I guess, mini camps, and we see how these guys look, it's hard to say. So we're, we're just kind of speculating. But, you know, it's the off season. It is what it is. But the other – uh, side of that that I wanted to look at on the Bengals as far as like how well improved will this unit be that I feel like we I should have brought this up sooner and maybe we talked about it but it's not as much as we could have talked about it and that's uh on the defensive side the linebacking group you're bringing back Jermaine Pratt for three more years Logan Wilson's on a contract year so whether he gets extended or not he's going to be back in 2023 uh Akeem Davis Gaither's going to be behind Wilson and I'd imagine at the very least, Davis Gaither will have the same role he had last year if he doesn't get more snaps. Um, I guess you could say Marcus Bailey, too, although he was used even less last year, uh, depending on the packages they use. But the point I'm making is, you know, you have two linebackers who have played together for, what, three years going into their fourth season. Um, you don't see a lot of that in the NFL right now in terms of, like, continuity between, like, two or three true linebackers because normally it's three or four 
but the Bengals run a 5-2 versus a 4-3-3-4. So it's where they're a little bit unique. But as far as like these two, Pratt and Wilson, with all the success they've had, back-to-back AFC championships, you know, playing in a Super Bowl, like both of those guys are the re- a big reason why the Bengals went to the Super Bowl. 2021, they both had game-winning picks. Pratt against the Raiders, Wilson against the Titans, and they both made, you know, just as big plays in this past season. Is it fair to say that Wilson and Pratt could be a top five linebacking duo in 2023? Um, you, you know, I, I think it's possible for sure. Um, you know, you, you kind of look at, at some of the other linebackers, you know, across the league. Um, you know, San Francisco's obviously got a really, really good linebacking core. Um, yeah, I, I think the question basically is, you know, is are two really good linebackers or fairly good linebackers, however you want to classify, you know, Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt, you know, do they kind of outrank a Fred Warner, Bobby Wagner, uh, Roquan Smith? Like, like, how would you, you know, it's kind of that question, you know, Roquan Smith, I, I think Roquan, I think it's fair to say, and, and I don't think anybody would disagree that, that Roquan Smith would be the best linebacker on the Bengals right now. Um, I, you know, I think that that's fairly obvious. So it's like, you know, how do you rank a Roquan Smith and a Patrick Queen versus a Logan Wilson and a Jermaine Pratt? So, you know, I, I think they absolutely can. Um, you know, I'm really curious to see kind of their usage this year. You know, there was obviously the the third down stuff with Jermaine Pratt and kind of how he, he didn't want to come off the field, how we really wanted to play, you know, pretty much every snap. And, uh, that's, that's going to be interesting because, you know, you got, if, if you're going to run with four down linemen and five corners, uh, you got two linebackers on the field. That's Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt. But what happens if you need to go to into, into more of a dime look and you need an extra DB out there or, 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 you know, you're playing a team that really, you know, you're playing a team that runs four wide or something like that. Like there, there's, I mean, I'm curious to see kind of what their usage is like just in general, but yeah, I mean, I think it's possible for sure. Um, you know, it, it's just, can what I think the question isn't, you know, can they be a top five linebacking core? I think the, the, you know, the preeminent question is, you know, can one of them kind of elevate their play and, and keep elevating their play? I think it's fair to say they've gotten better. Can one of them keep elevating their play so that, you know, they become, you know, a top, however you want to phrase top 10 linebacker in the league, you know, top eight, whatever, whatever, whatever unit of measurement you want to use. I think that's kind of the operative question, because if, the, if you can get that, then I think you can have some really, really, really special play out of your linebacking core. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a good one because, like, you, you mentioned Roquan Smith. He's also got Patrick Queen next to him, who I think is great. Um, just ask Joe Burrow. He's He played with him in college, and Patrick Queen seems to have his number almost every time they play each other. So, yeah, Queen and Smith is a good one. I'm really interested to see what TJ Edwards and uh, Tremaine Edmonds uh, look like in uh, Chicago. That's going to be uh, fascinating to see because I think that's that was really smart on the Bears' part. I mean, with the way they're building their defense, I think that's a good duo. Um, and, yeah, I mean, there, there's some other ones down the list that kind of stick out, but not to the degree that those do, uh, unless I'm forgetting about some names. But I don't know. I think uh, – you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see. Like like you said, is it are they going to be a top five duo, or are they just going to play the best that they've played? Um, and I think they'll they'll ascend. I mean, they're getting better. They're going into like I said, year four together. Pratt is going into year five because he was drafted the year before Wilson was. So, 
you know, they're they're both good at creating turnovers. Um, I mean, Pratt's one of the best coverage linebackers in the league. He had the highest PFF grade in coverage last year at his position. So you have that in his favor. Wilson's not as savvy in coverage, but he's savvier than your average linebacker, if you want to give him some praise there. Um, maybe not the hardest-hitting linebackers, but they'll definitely force turnovers like Pratt did against uh, Travis Kelsey uh, when they played the Chiefs last year. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. But I was just thinking about that as we kind of spin forward 2023 and what the Pratt signing means. But when we come back, we're going to look at some of the biggest questions for the Bengals going into next week and next month, particularly in the draft, potential answers to those questions and what they mean when we come back right here on the Strictly Stripes podcast. Hey there, it's Muhammad Ahmad from the Strictly Stripes podcast. And if you still don't know what Cincinnati Football Insider is, listen up. It's a community of fans who want the inside scoop on the Bengals and a direct connection to the podcast and the reporters who cover the team. Here's how it works. Andrew, Mike, and I will text your phone a few times a day with breaking news, analysis, and our insights on the Bengals. And it's the inside scoop on what we're hearing. And we're giving you the inside word before it even hits social media. If you join Cincinnati Football Insider, you get to participate on the podcast and you can text us directly. It's a great way to cut through the clutter of social media for just $4.99 a month. Still not sure? Just try it for two weeks. And if you don't like it, you can text the word stop at any time. But you won't want to cancel once you join the community of hardcore Bengals fans. So here's how you get on board. Text 513-940-4193 or go to cleveland.com slash Bengals and click on the blue banner at the top of the page. It's a great time to join as we're covering the NFL draft, OTAs, mini camps, and much more to come later this year. So give us a try for two weeks and see what you think. Just text again the number 513-940-4193. All right, and thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. So, you know, Andrew, we looked at kind of our thoughts to sort of wrap up March, transition to April. Um, but beyond kind of our final thoughts, I wanted to ask a few of the biggest questions, particularly going into next week, which, what, today is the 24th. We're taping this on a Friday. Next week is when April starts, uh, next Saturday to be exact. So I think it's not too early to look ahead to that. I think one of the biggest questions I have is, you know, we've talked about this so much, but it's a little bit different asking this now because a lot has changed in the last week for the Bengals. But with Foster Moreau's cancer diagnosis, which, by the way, praying for him, wishing him nothing but a speedy uh, recovery against a battle like that. Uh, but, you know, he's out of the running because of his Hodgkin's lymphoma diagnosis. Uh, Austin Hooper goes to the Raiders. And if you look at the rest of, like, the market for free agent tight ends – there's really no one that sticks out. And it's a pretty, like the average age is closer to 30 versus like, um, you know, other positional classes where it's younger. I mean, with everything that's kind of unfolded in free agency and with, you know, Foster Moreau's health, does this sort of point to the fact that we're not going to see the Bengals get a tight end until the draft this year? Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I think it's completely fair to say, Hey, look, you know, this team, you know, needs needs a tight end, and they're going to go to the draft. But I also think that they need two. Um, you know, so maybe that is, you know, you, you know, Drew Sample's still out there, and he's only 26 years old. Um, you know, maybe maybe you're bringing him back. Mitchell Wilcox is 26 years old. Uh, you'd be getting two guys that they kind of know know the system, uh, they know the team, obviously, and and I think that you know you're. 
I, I, to me, I, I wouldn't want to go into a season needing two tight ends or go into a draft needing tight ends um, like like in this type of way. Uh, you know, I I think you could kind of make the case that hey, look, if if that if that's their plan at running back, um, you know, where they have Joe Mixon, they lost Samaje P. Ryan, they have Travion is kind of their number three, and you know, you need a guy who could handle some pass blocking snaps, and you know, a guy who could who could take some carries from Mixon. I, I think that that's kind of I I, I don't know. You, you could probably split some hairs on that. Uh, maybe they should have gone after this guy or this guy in free agency. But I think that's fair to say. Tight end, I, I do think they need a veteran. Uh, I think you need somebody there, even if it's a Drew Sample or a, or a Mitchell Wilcox. You know, somebody who can be, you know, your two or three tight end. Um, you know, because if you go into a draft and, you know, I mean, unless you're going to elevate uh, one of the guys that you had, one of you guys you had in the practice squad last year, um, you know, you think of like a, a Nick Bowers or something like that. Like, unless you're going to elevate somebody like that and kind of that ha- and kind of have that guy be your your third tight end, I just think that you need a tight end. Um, you need a tight end before you go into the draft, just to give yourself some leeway. Because what are you going to do if you know you have? I'm obviously we don't know their draft board, but Michael Mayer's their number one tight end. Darnell Washington's number two. And then they have, uh, you know, they have Dalton Kincaid ranked 50th. I, I don't know. I'm just throwing out names and hypotheticals. And what are you going to do if Mayer and Washington are gone? You know, I, I, I think you're, you're kind of putting yourself in, in a bit of a hole if, if you go in needing to. So I think, uh, I think at, at tight end, you need, to, you need to add somebody in free agency over the next couple of weeks. But at running back, I, I think it's fine if, you, if you're just going to roll into the draft and say, we'll find a guy there. Yeah, I think – I mean, I agree. They do need a veteran because, like, you don't want to go in there with just a bunch of rookies trying to figure it out, like whether it's Michael May or Darnell Washington. Like, you need somebody, whether it's getting one of those few guys on the market I mentioned for a cheap prove-it deal or if it's, you know, bringing back Hurst and – no, I'm sorry, not Hurst. He's gone, long gone. Kind of missed that guy. Uh, Wilcox or Sample. You're right, but, I mean – why? Why do you think they haven't brought them back yet? Like, do you think they just haven't been able to come to a, a deal? Or I'm kind of shocked that like they didn't even extend the tender to Wilcox. Like, why? Why do you? Why do you think that is? I'm I'm actually somewhat shocked that they haven't brought one of those guys back by now. Yeah, yeah. I I think they kind of looked at it, and if I had to guess, they they were trying to upgrade in free agency uh, with with a veteran. You know, obviously, you know, they looked into Foster Moreau and, and kind of who else know who else knows who they looked into. Um, you know, so I, I think, you know, they were probably trying to upgrade there, you know, get a nice, a, a nice veteran option. And then you add your guy in the draft. Um, so I, I mean, they're still out there. They, they can still be brought in if you, if you want to bring them back. So, uh, I, I think, um, uh, it's, it's not too late on that. And I think, you know, they just, you know, they just swung a little, a little further than, than them. See if they could get, you know, somebody they thought was an improvement and, uh, you know, but if not, I, I think they'd be okay bringing those guys back. Both of them or just one of them? You know, I, I would just before. bring one of them back because you've already got Devin Asiasi on the camp, on the roster. And I'm not saying that, you know, he, he would even is a guarantee to make it through camp or anything like that. Um, you know, considering he didn't really, you know, play a whole heck of a lot last year. So that's fine. Um, but I, I, to me, I, I would just bring one of them back, whichever one you think, you know, can be a nice number two option for you. And then, and then you got to find your starting tight end in, in, uh, in the draft. 
yeah, I think that's the likely trajectory we'll see uh, on that. But kind of the last thing I wanted to ask about as far as big questions go is um, I saw that Samaj P. Ryan spoke with, uh, I think it was Parker Gabriel from the Denver Post who covers the Denver Broncos. And, you know, one of the, to kind of sum up what P. Ryan said is that, oh, you know, I came to Denver because, like, you know, he talked to Sean Payton. He talked about the system that Payton ran where basically it sounded like, you know, P. Ryan might not be a starter, but he'll have a starter-like role with Javante Williams, who's their third-year running back, which makes me wonder, number one, was he not happy with his role in Cincinnati? And, number, and, and of course, he didn't say anything bad about the Bengals. Like, he even talked a lot about how much it was a tough decision to leave Cincinnati, to not, you know, stick with Zach Taylor's system. But was he truly not as happy as he could have been with the Bengals? And then the bigger question, looking ahead, is – are other teams kind of looking at how he was used behind Joe Mixon relative to how Joe Mixon played? And are other free agents like, I'm not feeling it. Like, I'm not, I don't like that system. I don't really want to be a part of something like that. And instead, they'd rather play for someone like Sean Payton, who's like, hey, you won't be a starter, but you're going to play like a starter. You know, kind of like he did with Alvin Kamara and Reggie Bush and the other guys behind them in New Orleans. I mean, like, do, do you think that might be an issue for the Bengals? You think that's why P. Ryan was like, I'm going out west. No, I, I don't think so at all. Actually, I, I think you know Sean Payton is you know obviously kind of known for his for his offensive prowess. Um, but I mean, uh, Samaje Piran wants to to handle more of a more of a load. It sounded like in the backfield and, and kind of get more carries and things like that. And uh, Javante Williams is coming back from a really really serious knee injury that he suffered in October. Um, you know, I, I forget the exact you know, the exact injury, but, you know, I do know that there were a lot of CLs in his knee torn and, and he had, you know, some pretty major surgery and I've seen, you know, reports and obviously, you know, we're, we're kind of speaking, um, you know, a little bit ignorantly on that situation just because we don't know, but, you know, I've seen a lot of reports where, you know, he might not be ready until late in the season. He might be ready early in the season, but I, I mean, if you're Samaj P. Ryan, you're, you're looking at that situation as, Hey, look, you know, if, if Sean Payton gets Russ right, that defense is still pretty decent and, you know, they've got good receivers and I might have a chance to get some really significant carries. So, um, yeah, I think um, – I, I don't know if it's anything to do with the Bengals. I just think he wanted a better opportunity. But do you think other teams are going to look at kind of like how Brian Callahan and Zach Taylor split the reps between, you know, Pirine and Mixon where, yeah, Pirine played like what – 41%, which was a career high for him, excuse me, career high for him. And then Mixon played like somewhere near 57, 58%. Like, do you think they look at that and say, you know, with respect to the Bengals or this, with respect to their offense, I'm, I'm not really wanting to be a part of that. Like, do you think that might be hurting the Bengals right now? Um, no, um, not, not really at all. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, if you're, if you're a running back right now that's, that gets drafted to the Bengals, I think you look at the situation right now at run. Like if you're, if you're, if you're a free agent running back looking at Cincinnati or, you know, a guy that gets drafted here or whatever, I think you're kind of looking at this roster going, Hey, look, there, there might be an opportunity for me here. And, and I think I could do something. So I, I, I don't know. I think, um, you know, the Bengals have kind of, you know, they're going to throw the ball, but they've also kind of expressed a desire to, to want to be able to run the ball when they need to. And I mean, frankly, I mean, T Higgins is entering a contract year. Tyler Boyd's entering a contract year. Like the receiving talent here might, 
might dip a little bit and, and it probably will dip a little bit. Um, you know, cause I can't imagine you're going to keep Jamar chase T Higgins and Tyler Boyd for forever. So, you know, th- this team is going to have to rely a little bit more on its run game a little bit. So, you know, if I'm a running back, I'm, I'm kind of keeping all of that in mind. Yeah, I guess uh, Ezekiel Elliott doesn't mind that at all because he's like, hey, well, again, this is reportedly based on Adam Schefter. So we don't know if this is if this is based on his sources. Uh, you know, supposedly the Bengals are one of his teams that he's interested in. Zach Taylor talked with uh, Channel, I think it was Channel 9. Yeah, Channel 9 in Cincinnati yesterday at St. X High School at an event there. And I don't know if it was coach speak, but he was like, yeah, we're happy with the guys we have. Uh, people will like to put things out there, yada, yada. I, I mean, if you read between the lines, looked like he, he was like smiling kind of subtly. I don't know. I mean, it's just hard to know with coaches if it's coach speak or not. Maybe he's telling the truth of like, look, we're happy with what we have. Joe Mixon's still a Bengal. You know, the draft is coming up. Or maybe something's going to drop by midnight after we tape this podcast and you and I are going to be taping an emergency podcast, like because of it, who knows, but um, I mean, it's just hard to say, like we don't know what's in people's heads when they're looking at other teams, unless we have like, it's kind of like you have, you know, the smoke, but you got to prove the fire. Like where's the fire saying, Oh, we don't want to go to Cincinnati because of how they use Mixon and Peter. That's, that's all talk. It's a theory. Who knows? We don't know. We just, we like to assume, right? Like we like to think we know everything, but we don't. Um, very last thing before we get going here for the weekend, and speaking of the weekend, on that note, we got the Elite Eight coming up. Thursday, we saw some Sweet 16 action. Tonight, for those listening uh, before the big games, uh, we got the uh, Sweet 16 matchups across the board uh, Friday night. I just want to ask you this first off. Um, do you Have you ever heard of Florida Atlantic University, Andrew? Like, Did you know about them before this tournament? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I know who I know who FAU is. Are you gonna say because of Trey Hendrickson, or do you just literally know who they were? No, I, I yeah, I, 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 I mean, I know who they are. Um, you know, Lane Kiffin used to coach there. Um, you know, they've. I, I'm I'm a pretty big college football fan, so you know, that's I've, right. That's you know, right. I've, I've kind of known. Uh, I've kind of known about the Owls for a while. Um, at down in uh, Boca Raton, so they've they've got a pretty interesting college football history. If, if anybody ever wants to look into that, so yeah, Howard Schnellenberger, man, he was there for a while before he retired too. But no, I bring it up because who would have thought their second time ever in the tournament, never won a tournament game, they beat Memphis last week, survive against Fairleigh Dickinson, which kind of blew my mind, and then Tennessee of all people. I mean, me, me being a Kentucky guy, I, I was by all means excited about that, but. They are one win away from the Final Four. If they can beat Marquise Noel in Kansas State, and I don't know who Noel was until this tournament, man, You know whether it's people calling him short, playing in his hometown at MSG. I mean, I don't know how much you follow college basketball, but like, is this just two parts here? Number one, is this the craziest tournament you've seen in number two? When do you think we'll see a seven seed in the NFL playoffs, which is like the equivalent, I think, of a 16 seed in March Madness. When is a seven seed going to win a game in the NFL playoffs if it's going to happen? Um, yeah, I, eventually, you know, I, I, I don't want to make this a, a college football thing, but, you know, I think sometimes people look at March Madness and they say, oh, you know, how come, you know, we can't do this? Um, you know, how come we can't do this, the, uh, you know, like in, in football and uh, football is a little bit different. Um, you know, the, the game is just fundamentally different. 
Um, so I, I, I think, especially when you look at, you know, kind of the two seeds and the seven seeds, like the two seeds, you're talking about a team that, you know, damn near got a buy and was the best team in their conference. And, uh, you know, I mean, think about it this year, the Bills, like it, you're, you're playing a team that barely snuck into the playoffs. I, I don't know. I, I just think, uh, it, I mean, you're certainly going to have it happen eventually. It's just going to be, you know, very, very skewed. So. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, almost happened with the Dolphins and Bills, which I know you and I have different views and opinions on that. Um, the wild card game last year, but I'm waiting for that day. I am waiting for that day. Hopefully we're not covering the losing side of it because that wouldn't be fun, but I'm waiting for that day where we can look at it and say that's just like what UMBC did to Virginia. Maybe not that extreme, but crazier things have happened. Well, folks, enjoy the weekend. Next week, we're going to talk about the draft, the draft, the draft. Mike Nizek will join us later next week to pick up where Andrew and I left off on this uh, conversation and all the great conversations we had this week. Again, if you haven't subscribed to our subtext service, Cincinnati Football Insider, make sure you do so. Just text the number uh, that I mentioned at the advertisement earlier in the show. But once again, for myself and Andrew, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. Watch some basketball and enjoy your weekend. And if you're in Cincinnati, stay dry and stay safe.